Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Yeah, so have you good. have you two met before? No, like throughout this entire project, <laughs> we've been dealing with each like essentially each other's people. So it's really it's nice to hear your voice and e meet you over here. It's nice to meet you as well. The most successful crowdfunding campaign of all time for a book publication recently got a treatment as an audiobook. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number four fifty one. I'm your host Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking with Francesca Cavallo, co-author of the widely best-selling Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Joining us is Juliana Wilson, the audio producer for the series audiobooks. If you have not yet heard Francesca's story or her work with Elena Favila, her co-founder, you are in for quite a treat. And now, Juliana's contributions to the series are helping new readers discover this powerful, beautiful, undeniable book series. But before we get started, shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on, care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Amanda, Ruth, Lara, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. And speaking of support, please listen to a short message from our sponsors who helped make today's episode possible. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors. The team shares our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at storytelleracademy.com slash wonder or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Podcast. And now, <laughs> as my own rebel girl is sitting here on my lap reading a book, please welcome my guests, co-author Francesca Cavallo and audio producer Juliana Wilson of Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, books one and two. You want to say start the show? No. Oh, okay. Here we go. 
Welcome to the podcast, Francesca and Juliana. I'm excited to talk to you both today. Thank you. It's great to be on your show. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Matthew. I'm glad you both are. And uh, talking through the miracles of Skype, I know that we can't see each other, but but that's quite okay because... uh, well, I would say, Francesca, I, I've gotten to know your voice over the past uh, several weeks. And Juliana, I'm excited to meet you. But for those that don't know you yet, Francesca, would you mind introducing yourself to the people listening? Of course. So my name is Francesca Cavallo. I'm, uh, I'm Italian and uh, I live in Los Angeles. And I'm one of the two authors of a book called Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Uh, I wrote this book with uh, my co-founder and co-author, uh, Elena Favilli, and um, we launched it with a Kickstarter campaign, and uh, it became the most crowdfunded book in history. And uh, also, very recently, uh, it became a, an extraordinary audiobook, and I'm sure uh, <laughs> this will be part of the presentation of <laughs> Viana. Without a doubt. But first, can I say personally, having having this first opportunity to talk to you, congratulations. Your book, your books are exceptional. I feel so grateful to have them both as a librarian and also as a father. I have a three-year-old and, and she's been listening along to me to these new audiobooks. But um, the, you've just done, you and Ellen have done exceptional work. And I'm so, so grateful that you've had the opportunity to share it, not just out of your own passion, but because so many people through Kickstarter have also helped to make it happen. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. And so I think in turn, I now turn to you, Juliana, because you have, have stepped in later in the game. Uh, you're involved in a new way. Would you also mind introducing yourself to those listening? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm an executive producer, audiobook producer, and uh, special projects manager over at Penguin Random House Audio. And yeah, I've, I've come in, I think, about two years uh, since the initial release of the books um, as the audiobook producer. But I actually, I heard about these books about two years ago. I was in a leadership management training course Um which lasted a week. And we were talking with people in publishing that came to us internationally and good night stories for rebel girls, uh, was lectured about, um, by a friend now and lecturer then Craig Maud. And I just thought these stories sounded incredible. I thought Francesca and Elena's story about how this came to be was incredible. Um, it felt like something that was so timely with children and young girls, especially today. And, Eventually, the rights came to Penguin Random House, and I immediately jumped to uh, produce the audiobook. <laughs> oh, me, me, let me do it. <laughs> Please, let me do it. <laughs> I had no idea that our common connection was Craig Mobs. Yes, yeah. It's that's so amazing, yeah. Yeah, he's an incredible force of literature as well. Oh, cool. Look at all these connections. Well, I, I want to go back, if you don't mind, Francesca, I want to go back in time to however you and Elena came to work together and came to have this idea um, and and also what led you to choosing Kickstarter to fund it. Do you mind sort of sharing the origin stories of these Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls? I, I don't I don't mind. I I actually enjoy telling this story very very much. <laughs> I love that. I know so, you've told it a lot, so I appreciate that. 
no, no. But uh, it's you know that this project is uh, rebel not just in a, in its content but also in the way it came together. So it makes a lot of sense to kind of. Uh, uh, tell tell the the whole story because uh, a lot of people may be uh, inspired and encouraged to pursue the, their own projects in in a different way uh, without asking the gatekeepers <laughs> the permission to do to doing things. Um, so we got start. So we moved from Italy, uh, Milan, where we were living, to California in at the beginning of 2012, and at that point we had launched. Uh, the first iPad magazine for children when the iPad came out. And it was called Timbuktu Magazine, and it eventually gave uh, the name to our company, which is called Timbuktu Labs. And at the very beginning of the history of our company, we started creating mobile apps for, for children. So from the Timbuktu Magazine was a news magazine for kids. We've always been very passionate about... Um, finding creative ways to expose kids to real stories, to stories that um, could help them see reality for its potential rather than for its limits and that could make them passionate about how you can transform the world through your work. So uh, we uh, moved to uh, from Milan to Silicon Valley to look for funding and we were able to raise a first uh, angel round and to start the classic, you know, startup journey. We got accepted into an incubator, 500 startups, we moved to Mountain View, and we started living in that Silicon Valley environment. After a couple of years, um, we needed more funding to move to the next stage of the company. And um, and um, so we, we, we looked for what, what's called in the startup jargon a Series A, which means basically more money from more uh, established investors. And that became, we didn't know it at the time, but that is usually when startups that are founded by female founders um, die because uh, it's very hard. It's already hard to raise an angel round for uh, female founders, but it gets increasingly harder when you look for more serious rounds of uh, financing. We got a lot of no's and a lot of people who, um, you know, didn't, didn't want to take a chance on us. They told us, literally, there is only so much that two girls alone can do. No. And Stop. Yeah. That's horrible. Oh my <laughs> and um, they told us, oh, people only want to buy Disney content. Why don't you develop a platform for user-generated content? And we're like, but we're really good at producing high-quality content. So user-generated content is not our strongest suit, and it's not our passion, frankly. And they just didn't believe that we could, we could pull it off. So we decided uh, to move away from Silicon Valley because we we felt that we were not empowered by the kind of feedback that we were receive, receiving and the kind of people uh, that we were surrounded by. And we decided to move to Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, we went into a sort of survival mode <laughs> where we basically tried to spend as little money as possible. Um, we rented a small one-bedroom apartment in Venice Beach and... Um, we uh, started freelancing to get to get a little bit of money from other projects, and uh, we started a newsletter. Um, and the subtitle of the newsletter was uh, "Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls," 
we started from uh, 25 people. We identified who in our network could be interested in a newsletter uh, to empower young girls because we felt pretty disempowered by the experience that we had had in Silicon Valley. And we were like, how can we make sure that this doesn't happen to the women that will come after us? How can we make sure that we don't feel so diminished by this kind of feedback that doesn't come from a good place? And uh, how could we help other women to see when feedback is not really useful and distinguish it from useful feedback? So we came up with this idea that we would provide uh, people with uh, empowering stories uh, about female role models that they could share with their kids at the dinner table. And uh, we started this newsletter from 25 people. People really liked it. And we they started forwarding it to each other. And at some point, we, had, um, we were at about... 2,000 subscribers, I would, I want to say, and uh, we said, okay, probably this idea of Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls could become a book. So we basically typed a book proposal in a Google Doc. At the end of it, we put a Gumroad uh, link where they could give us $35 if they thought they wanted to buy this book. And 5% of the people in our list actually bought a, bought a book based on this simple Google Doc. And we felt that's a pretty good conversion rate for something that looks so bad. So <laughs> the idea is very <laughs> that's, Yeah, that's awesome. We are onto something. So we, um, we decided to go through, to, to turn to Kickstarter for, uh, to find funding. And part of it was that we, we were seriously, you know, this book also came from a place of anger. So we had been, um, we had felt belittled by the experience of fundraising in traditional, with traditional actors. And we wanted to try something different because we felt, we, we, we were like, we know we are onto something. And if you can see it, uh, if you can see it, we, we, we will show you that people actually are looking for the content that we want to produce. And Kickstarter was just perfect for that. So we put together the Kickstarter campaign. We worked for months to make sure that everything was in the, in the right place and that we could pretend we were a team where it was just the two of us. And, uh, you know, we used all sorts of <laughs> tricks and automations to build this, this domino and to make sure that once we press the launch button on Kickstarter, everything would fall into place and could generate this momentum around the launch of the campaign. So there was a lot of preparation behind that. And when we launched, we had a funding goal of $40,000, which we reached within the first 30 hours. And at the end of the campaign, which lasted 29 days, we had raised uh, $675,000 from 13,000 people coming from 75 countries. Wow. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, very, very surprising. Uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls became the most crowdfunded publishing project in history. And we held that record uh, until the time that Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls 2 came about. And in that case, we raised $100,000 in the first three hours. Three hours, project. oh yes. my word. <laughs> and with all of this you're just showing the world 
then or the world is showing you the need for this. Not only is is your idea here and you believe in it, but everyone in the world is standing behind it and wants to see it made. How powerful is that? Wow. Yeah, it was, you know, it was the the a perfect uh storm and uh I'm so ecstatic and still can't believe that we had the opportunity uh thanks to um this incredible community that gathered around rebel girls to create something so special well, you know the thing that the thing that happened then was that in the middle of the campaign seeing all the traction that the book had gotten we started to we started receiving offers from all all publisher all the biggest publishers in the okay. world and um, at that point, we were like, wait a minute, but we did all the heavy lifting here, or at least so we thought <laughs> at the time. So we were like, maybe we can, you know, use this opportunity uh, because we, we remember we had come to the U.S. with the idea of creating our own um, children's media company. So we were like, this is finally the thing that we were looking for to build a company around these, these projects. But if we sell the publishing rights to these big guys, we are finding ourselves again in a position where we have, I mean, yes, we have power as authors, but we, we also give up a lot of that power of creating a different kind of company and a different kind of way for books to come to life. And we didn't want that. We, we wanted to keep, you know, making this revolution bigger and bigger and to to basically show um, the publishing industry that book books can happen in a different way, uh, also outside of the uh, standard circuits and the standard uh, process uh, where you have to go through the gatekeepers and then they hold most of the um, revenues and then they keep replicating the same model over and over again, replicating also many mistakes because they are very far away from the digital world and they don't really know how to use social media to promote books and how to build communities around books, which is what we had already done with the Kickstarter campaign. So we, there we were at the end of the first Kickstarter. We had never we had written six other children's books before, but they were uh, published with traditional publishing deals. So we had never published a book as publishers before. So we were there. We had not written the book yet because we just had a couple of stories. We had never uh, published a book before. And we were like, we think we can pull this off. And it was uh, the beginning of June. And the book was supposed to be shipped all over the world in time for Christmas. So we had to figure out <laughs> how to, you know, build to build the pipeline. How yeah. What's the pipeline look? Like when you have to create a book and not just write it, but also edit it, proofread it, uh, fact check it and uh, do the layout and all the other things that then we learned. And uh, we had to find a printer. We had to understand what the format, what the trim size was going to be like, what the paper was going to be like, uh, what the cover what was to be like. I mean, everything. And then we had to figure out also the logistics of sending <laughs> 15,000 copies of the book to 75 countries in time for Christmas, which we couldn't do ourselves. So uh, it was a pretty crazy uh, adventure, but we 
we, we were like 13,000 people thought we could pull this off. So we owe it to them to try and see if we can actually do it. And if we can do it, we are basically not just writing a, a disruptive book, but we are also creating a disruptive company around it that looks at publishing from a completely different angle with a completely different distribution, uh, publishing uh, pipeline. So we, we, we chose that it was worth a try. And um, we did that. And we not just refused to work with a traditional publisher, but also we, we chose to build our own distribution network. And uh, we were told by many uh, people from the industry uh, that uh, our book would never become a New York Times bestseller <laughs> with such a scrappy approach. And here we are. Two years later, uh, our books are both New York Times bestsellers. We, we've actually had both of them in the top five at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, and we sold three million copies. And uh, we you know, and the books are translated in 45 languages. I feel like you are, your story is such a powerful testament to everyone, to entrepreneurs, to people who have been told no, but I really, I can't separate the fact that your art that you're creating in this book, that the, the book is this work of art by itself, and also your story just mirror each other so beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. I don't mean to say that it's, isn't it great how hard you had to suffer to make this work? But I mean, you really became that, that, to own that that name, that label of rebel, and to really live in it and to not shy away from it, I think there's great strength in that. And I think especially for your readers, for your backers, for, for, for everyone that comes to you and finds your book, I think, I mean, I think of all of these beautiful girls that dress up like the uh, figures that are being featured in your book that I see all over Instagram. I think of that and I think... The, the, the project that, that you and Elena have done that have taken on this world that you've built is just so expansive and so many people belong to it. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you and Elena for, for the vision you had and for pulling it off and, and how thoughtful you were. It feels from my end like how could you fail because you believed so strongly in this idea and you were so thoughtful about it. So I'm glad that it came to fruition the way that it did. And I really am just so proud that this thing exists and exists for the future as well. Thank you. That's, uh, you know, we, we always like to tell the story, highlighting also all the moments that we had of doubt and, uh, you know, the fact that, for example, we worked from our kitchen table uh, in our apartment up until we, we moved to another house uh, six, seven months ago. We didn't have an office. We didn't have we didn't have a desk. <laughs> so we worked out of the kitchen table, bumping into each other every time we wanted to recline the computer screen a little bit more. And getting getting pissed at each other because we were invading <laughs> each other's space, and we we like to say that because if there are any, you, you know, if there are any women 
with a project that they that, who are listening now with a project and they don't feel that they have enough resources or enough um, you know uh, endorsements or access to certain networks. Uh, we want our our story to be an inspiration to them and to tell them you can do it because we just had two laptops and uh, these small apartments. When we launched the, the crowdfunding campaign for the first book, we had $8,000 in our bank account. And we were like, okay, let's try this one last thing because we had launched 12 mobile apps and six books before this mm. overnight mm. success. And we had learned from each of those things. And while you are in the process, you don't realize how much you're learning. And then there comes a project that takes off and you are equipped with all of that knowledge because of the things that you built before, of the things that didn't work. But for each of them, we learned something. And that little something added up to the fact that when this uh, opportunity uh, showed up, we were equipped without, almost without knowing it, we were equipped to manage it in a way that was very different from what anyone else had done up until this point. Oh, that is awesome. And Juliana, the fact that you come onto this when when it is this, <laughs> when it is this force, what on earth? Like, I, I almost said, listen to me. I almost said, what on earth were you thinking? Weren't you terrified? <laughs> but, but you took that and found a, another way to showcase these voices, Juliana, the team that you assembled to record on this. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like from the point that you came on to where we are now, because I'm quite impressed with this audiobook and especially the voices that you have uh, supporting it. Um, well, it's so inspiring listening to that story. I've heard bits and pieces of it. I haven't heard it in its entirety, but um, I think some of the traits that both Elena and Francesca mirrored in their process, I definitely mirrored in mine. Um, I think anyone who's close with me, who's a colleague, who's a friend, who's a family member will talk about my creativity and my passion. So when I heard about this story and I heard about these stories, there was no fear. It was all excitement nice. and curiosity. And of course, there was a moment when I was formulating this idea of how best to approach these stories and best bring them to life on audio that I thought, wow, this is going to be a lot of work. But um, I was undeterred. And so I started working or I started coming up with the idea, the concept for the audio back in November hmm. of 2017. And um, as these projects do, especially when you're working with high profile people and their schedules, it took a long time to get um, our women in the studios. But they were always inspired and so excited about um, the concept for the audio. And something that I really wanted to mirror from the book is that not only is there kind of this vast array of women in the stories, in the illustrations too, they hired on, yes. um, uh, I think, 100 illustrators per book to also showcase a number of different women that way. So what I wanted to do with the audio is mirror that and have an orchestra of women's voices. And I wanted them to ideally, if I could get them and we end up being ended up being able to get, you know, high powered feminists and advocates and women who have been inspirational leaders in so many different ways that are connected to women and young girls 
and women of different backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different ages, um, and different areas of the arts in Hollywood and the entertainment world. So, you know, I just started reaching out to agents and getting very positive feedback and excitement. And a lot of the women wanted copies of the books before they signed on. They said they wanted to read it to their children. Mm -hmm. And so I would send out copies of the books to them so that they could see it, so that their agents could see it. And everyone was so enthusiastic about it. Um, and the, the being in the studio with these women and hearing these stories read live, um, there were so many moments that I just got chills or I was teary eyed or I was like grabbing the director's arm being like, I can't believe this is happening, um, because it was so moving. And I think you hear that when you even, when you don't hear it live and you just listen to the audiobook, because there is such, um, passion and dedication to this cause and you hear it in the women's voices. And one of the things that I love so much about it is that it's also just not one type of woman. I, I mean, I have a naturalist side to me. I've always loved animals and nature and I always love hearing those stories, but there are women from all walks of life in these stories. And so I think young girls and the adults are, who are reading these stories to the girls uh, can learn so much and can identify with so many different characters um, from these stories. I like that, that, as you're saying with that mirroring, that as Francesca mentioned, um, I wrote it down, while we are in the process, you don't know how much you're learning. And that you, Francesca, said that you and Eleanor had realized that all of the work you had done led you to this point and that you had the tools ready to, to execute this the way it needed to be. And, and Juliana, to hear that you likewise were in that same position. Um, I can hear, I can hear that emotion when I listen to this. And I realize that we haven't even mentioned these high profile names, but if I can just mention the first one, the one that really, for however, through all of these books, it stuck with me. I can't stop thinking about, I believe it was Alicia Keys telling us about Nefertiti and telling us oh, the yeah. story of, of the, the person who had ruled longest over Egypt being a woman and that she uh, was still then playing with these gender roles and even playing with gender itself and, and uh, uh, presenting herself as a man and, 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 and dressing up even with a fake beard, but that then has has happens in history. People tried to rob her of, of history and, and the way that that is reflected throughout all of these stories, that rebel quality of how history or men in history tried to rob these women of the history itself. Uh, and yet all of the evidence is there. I thought that, that to me is just something that I found very affirming as I read over and over these different stories. Uh, and, and one that I, I, I don't know, I just, I'm in awe, Francesca, of, of the, the names uh, that you have assembled in these now, is it, I guess, 200 women yeah. that you've featured. It, it spans age, it spans culture, it spans the globe and experience and uh, professions. And it just, it's, there's, there's nowhere it appears that you didn't look, that you didn't showcase to show that there are women rebelling everywhere and changing history and, and setting the course for history. It's, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I'm, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm just amazed. 
you know, it's been it's um, it's been fantastic when when um, when Listening Library came to us with uh, this list of names. We felt uh, overjoyed because first of all, we you know it, it it's unbelievably it was unbelievably emotional for us to listen to the stories that we had written read by these incredible uh, voices of our time and um, we were also very uh, excited about the selection of these women because these are not just incredible actresses and uh, musicians but they are women who through their work are conversing with uh, the contemporary world that we're living in. They, these are women who have made um, who have made it possible uh, for many other women to have these kind of conversations. So it's not just a matter of being a, a, an outstanding interpreter, but it's also we were very proud because the listening library and uh, Juliana. Under, and we never talked about it, so it's, it was so emotional to see that they got this part of our book, that this need to dialogue with the contemporary world that we're living in. And part of the reason why we were so ecstatic about having an audiobook uh, was also the fact that we are so rarely exposed to the female voice and to different variations of, uh, the, I mean, women have all sorts of voices. Uh, their voice has many different ranges, but the fact that we are underexposed to the voice of women makes it very hard for people during elections, for example, to listen to the speech of a woman and uh, not be bewildered by it, if not uh, outright uh, outraged by the fact that the, that voice doesn't sound like the voices that they're used to consider um, the voice of authority, for example. So it is our book and our work has always been political. And to see that this aspect that is so profound of the work that we did was, uh, was understood and reinterpreted by Juliana and the team working on the audio book has been in an incredible reward. Juliana, I can't think of a better introduction to the, the uh, readers that you had on this on this recording than that. Francesca, thank you so much for that. Juliana, would you mind introducing to the people listening those those guests that you assembled to to read this book, to read these books? Sure. So uh, the cast list is Alicia Keys, Ashley Judd, Esperanza Spaulding, uh, Janine Garofalo, Mojan Marno, uh, Rowan Blanchard, Denai Guerrera, Philip Asu, Samira Wiley. And I actually ended up reading one of the stories because it was one that had gotten missed a little bit earlier, so I came into the studio at the last minute. Um, I read on other audiobooks, so it wasn't completely random, but that little extra personal touch made it a little bit more special to me as well. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, each one of them was just, you know, we have Alicia Keys with her no makeup movement. She mm -hmm. is sharing that you don't have to wear makeup. You don't have to cover up your face or think that, your freckles or imperfections or your eye circles or wrinkles, or you can just be you and feel beautiful. Or um, we who have, we also have Ashley Judd, who's a Time's Up leader. And I think that was the other thing that was so important to me right now um, was that in the past 
six months, actually while I was casting this and sharing, you know, casting options with Francesca's team, um, the whole Me Too movement was going on. The whole Time's Up movement was happening. And so it seemed like this perfect moment in women's history to release the audiobook. It's Francesca and Elena with creating the books and starting this whole movement was part one. And, and this was at least part 1.5, if it wasn't part two, um, of releasing these, these stories during that time and saying, yes, we're here. Yes, these women are speaking up for young girls and women. Um, and that's something that was just so important to me. And, and it just felt like fate in that way. Um, but yeah, all these women in different ways have really been advocates for women or, or just women having opportunities. You know, Esperanza Spalding, she is an incredible jazz musician and started at a very young age. Um, and there was some article I read when I was thinking about casting that was talking about women's voices in jazz and, you know, what that meant. And could there be women's voices in jazz? Um, you know, Janine Garofalo with her comedy, she's always been someone who pushes boundaries. Um Philippa Sue, I mean, I have a mega girl crush on Philippa Sue, and she was so <laughs> awesome. I mean, as the voice of like Eliza Hamilton in the sensation that is Hamilton. Yes. And I remember um, listening to an interview about Hamilton, and um, and its creator was talking about how, you know, the name Hamilton is not just about, you know, Hamilton as the man. It's talking about Eliza, his wife. And how she is a standing legacy of that story. So having her be a part of it was wonderful. I mean, they were all Denai Guerrera and um, the black recent Black Panther movie. If you haven't seen her and her strength in that movie. Um, and actually, as we were leaving the studio, we were um, in the elevator and it was Denai and myself. And there was an African-American man in the elevator with her. And he, he looked at her and he looked at her so excited and then he looked like he wasn't going to say something. And then he was like, I'm sorry, I just have to say thank you. And, and there was so much, that was the feeling of this recording and coming from all angles, the writing, the, the narrators, the stories behind the narrators, the stories behind the women in the books, the stories behind the illustrators. It just, it was coming from all angle angles and it just, you know, it's one of those sensations that you can't really explain and everything just, comes together at the right moment to make it happen. Um, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Francesca, <laughs> look what happened to your idea. You and Elena, <laughs> this thing is a thing. It's a movement. You're part of this and you're helping to give voice to, to women, to young girls, to, to uh, as you said, to, to women now that have projects that want to try things, to, to, to just people, you're an inspiration. That's there's my young one right there <laughs> in the background making her little appearance. Um, but we don't have a video call because uh, listening to Julia saying those things is making me cry. Oh, oh. and I'm getting chills over here. <laughs> well, I I am so so moved that we got to talk. I am so so moved that um, we got to share this moment together. My little one, as I said, my, my rebel girl is outside the door yelling, Daddy, Daddy, right now. Um, and how timely I feel it is. You're pulling me to tears because I'm thinking about her right now. Um, but I, I'm, I, I want to leave you both with my gratitude and with the gratitude of 
I think I can speak for all librarians because we are 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 bringing this book into our libraries and it's going home to children. And if it's anything like in my library, the book is coming up after many, many, many reads. It's starting to become tattered. I'm buying new copies. It's such a wonderful thing to know that this is the time that our children are growing up, that they have voices like you, women like you both that are fighting and working to help them have this future and to help show them that they can, that they can own this future. I am so grateful for all of the work that's going on in publishing um, through what you're doing, Francesca, and also you, Juliana. Thank you so much to you both for that. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I, I feel the same. <laughs> I th There's so much more for this conversation, so I'm going to close it by giving you each a chance to answer or to, to respond to this question that I have about my readers, but I do want to encourage those listening also um, to check out the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast. Francesca, I love this podcast. I'm glad there's going to be a season two. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you like it. I, you're, you're, there's so much in this world that you're doing, and I, I know all of us, all of us, I'm sure Juliana included, we're all going to be watching for, for what comes next and how we can help support it. So I'll leave you here. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Francesca, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I, I would like the message to be the one that opens Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls 2, which is uh, to the Rebel Girls of the world. Don't step back and everyone will move forward. Yes. And to you, Juliana, I will I, see a library full of children tomorrow. Is there a message that I can also bring to them from you? I loved, um, I love how succinct Francesca is. Um, I'll say that it's okay to be different. You know, I, I grew up as a kid who was very passionate and excitable and energetic and creative. And I mean, my family and the community I was raised in always embraced those traits, but you know, those can be traits that are a little bit out there for certain people. And I would say one, like as you get older, as you get out of middle school or elementary school or high school, those traits are embraced. Um, and you should continue to follow your passions and create your own story. Hi there, this is Haley Barrett, author of Baby Moon, What Miss Mitchell Saw, and Girl vs. Squirrel. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest. 
creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.